Jesus Christ, an agitator, openly disrespectful of religious authority, practicing tolerance towards other faiths, teaching the intellectual and spiritual equality of women, a political refugee raised in a non-traditional family, with a contempt for government so extreme that he refused to comply with his own death sentence. This is not his story. and welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. And I am Lemuel, a Christian man. <laughs> and that's going to come in uh, to be very important in this discussion. Yes. I am making that out front, so any criticism directed because of that, I'm, I'm letting you know. Yes, right but, now. okay, anyways. So, here... Uh. <laughs> We're just started. Yep, that is how I felt at the end of this movie, and that is how I continue to feel two days later. We are going to talk <laughs> about Martin Scorsese's 1988 classic, I, I, The Last Temptation of Christ. Right. We both have feelings about this movie. Exactly. And we should put on Front Street what those feelings are not. Okay. <laughs> so and... I am a non-religious agnostic woman who lives in 2018 America and I did not hate this movie for being blasphemous. I hated this movie for being a terrible movie. It has bad dialogue. It had good music. It had terrible casting choices. It had weird direction choices. Overall, two thumbs down. But not because... Now those are both thumbs from your own hands. Oh, yes, my own right. thumbs are down. <laughs> both hands. Um... Two-handed But it down. is not because of religious reasons. Uh-huh. I like The Passion of the Christ. I mean, it was hard to watch. Like is a, right, it's a tricky term, term to use there. I don't mind watching movies about Moses, Jesus. That's fine. And I also don't mind watching blasphemous movies like Dogma or things that don't hone to mm-hmm. scripture or show different things. I'm not mad at Dan Brown even though I probably should be, because he's just the bad writer generally. It's not about religion. This is, all of my feelings are based solely on, it's a bad movie. And it's not just a bad movie, it's a two hour and 43 minute long bad movie. All right, what is your opening statement, sir? My opening statement is going to be to repeat at full length the Apostles' Creed. No, I'm not going to do that. Please don't do that. I will cut it. I You will cut me. As a matter of fact, I have to apologize to you on behalf of myself and perhaps the entire body of Christ for making you watch this movie. This was my reasoning. I grew up in a very fundamentalist household. All right, there, I have differences with that version of the faith, which I think is no version of the faith at all. But that's my opinion. Growing up, I, I was just out of high school when this film was released, and yes. it caused a terrible controversy. There were people from Christian organizations, Christian organizations, again, I'm using that term quote, that way. Christian quote, organizations. Quote, I'm making quote fingers. Yes. I actually crossed myself before this the podcast. This is a audio meeting. Right. So. so that volunteered to buy copies of the film and burn them. There were protests That organized. seems like giving money to your enemy right, for no exactly. reason, but go ahead. There were protests that were organized to boycott the movie. There were picket lines that you had to cross if you wanted to see it. 
So it was part of a culture war at the time, right? When it was released, and so and these are people who had moral or religious issues with the film, including now, now of, these are also people uh -huh. who never saw the film. For so the most part, yes, in a lot of ways, those are similar to the things that Kevin Smith saw, dealt with with Dogma and right. things like that. So, and the, and again, they um, have their own issues, but so, that is the reasoning. It wasn't. Hey, Martin Scorsese made a terrible movie. There were movie. actual acts of terrorism. Yes, committed because of this film. Yeah, we can talk it about is that later. Still banned in many countries. Yes. So I thought again, as a person now pushing fifty, that hey, I've never seen this film. Right. My positions on Christianity haven't changed in terms of faith, but have changed in terms of the secular application of the religion, and so I shouldn't be afraid of watching this movie. I'd never seen it. What's it going right. to be like? And the format this season right. was, we're watching a movie from each of these de decades, right. from each of these months, and this movie did come out again. I don't know, a summer movie is, a, mm -hmm. is an appropriate no. thing, but it came out in August of 1988, so it fits right into our... <laughs> yes, and so when Amity presented this movie to me, I thought, oh, this is a... Perfect time to reconcile this loss in my mind. I was a student filmmaker. I have respect for Martin Scorsese, or at least I did. And then I have this background. So this is a perfect time for me as a person who's not necessarily going to be offended by a different interpretation of the life of Christ to sit down and watch it. A movie from right. a Catholic filmmaker, uh, I might yes. point out, very much right. uh, like the sort of agnostic Catholic that... Kevin Smith is, right? Yes. <laughs> who straddles that line. Right. So, and it's also written by Paul Schrader, who's another religious person or who does a lot of religious theme writing. And it, it has to be one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Not because it's blasphemous, because it's, it's terrible. Bad. It's just... So, let's start with Martin Scorsese uh -huh. and how Martin Scorsese, his whole life, just wanted to direct a movie about the life of Christ. Right. Well, then why is this the movie that he well, made? it's because he was tempted by a terrible... No, no, she's old. He so the, <laughs> the premise of this movie, and they put it on Front Street. Right. They're not hiding it. First thing you see. This is not based on the Gospels. Uh -huh. This is based on a book by a, a man with, with the Greekest name that Nikos ever was. Katsunakis, who also wrote Zorba the Greek. Oh, well. He's a very famous uh, Greek literary figure. And then we go right in to see the blondest, most blue-eyed Jesus that ever was and maybe ever will be. Well, probably. If Jesus lived historically where Jesus lived, and looked like that, they would have stoned him. Now, this is a Willem Dafoe Jesus who, as we see him, is making crosses for the Romans. Yes. For absolutely no particular reason. Because then, that's his calling. He's then visiting... Now, this, mo this Jesus... Now, okay, so to clarify for people who are not religious, who know who... Okay, yeah. Who are vaguely familiar with who Jesus is, he's the central figure of Christianity. Christians believe... Some people believe that he's the son of God. Some people believe that he's God incarnate. Right. It's confusing to me as uh -huh. a non-religious person. He has been proven historically to have existed. Right. And maybe we should start there. Historically, what we know about Jesus. Yes, let's do that. He grew up in an area that would now be considered part of Palestine. Yes. He grew up in Jerusalem. The Middle East. Right. Hey, those people that live there and are born there, typically... 
not the blondest, no, not the most blue-eyed or fair-skinned individual. Mediterranean Jew. He winds up. Um, yes, and he was born mm, Jewish of born the Jewish, Jewish faith. Of the Jewish faith. <laughs> There's questions about his parentage. That's the best way to put it. There you go. Because so biblically, he's he is born to a virgin uh-huh. who is married. No, a virgin who was con- uh, engaged. Was she engaged? Okay, that her, was always confusing to me. Husband, I'm like, how is she a virgin if she's married? Her husband almost doesn't marry her because of this, and then he's told in a dream that he's to go on to marry her to provide shelter for this family right. that's about to come Now, to she was very young? Very young. Okay. We don't know and how And he young. was not he, he very young. He was older. Older. We and don't know How much older we don't, we don't know. know. So then he goes on, there's questions about, oh, there's all these strange manifestations that happen around his birth. Right. Um, Herod, who was the Jewish king of, of Israel at the time. <gasps> the Jewish, and, uh, Herod, He's the like Jewish a puppet king. ruler. Okay. Because the whole area is occupied by the Romans. Okay. Decides that he's going to, he, he's trying to route out a figure from Jewish myth and... Uh, it's like Harry Potter. Right. Tries to kill him. Jesus. He, he gets a, a hint that a baby out there is right. going to be the downfall of him. And so he kills all the babies. So but, this is important to remember. This is when Jesus becomes a political refugee fleeing to Egypt Okay. until he was three years old. Then he comes back. Okay. We don't see him again until he's 13. and He's, he's very much like Harry Potter. Right. You guys, I'm not denigrating no, Christianity. I'm just trying J.K. to help Rowling, you out. And also, J.K. Rowling Isn't made some very um, clear uh-huh. parallels between the two stories. So if you know one and not mm. the other, that might help. That's all Rowling I'm doing. herself is a committed Anglican <laughs> and has That just means Christian who believes in divorce. Like, uh, Christian, yes. <laughs> I, I, Well, English that's Christian. why Anglican so, started, because somebody wanted a divorce. You don't see Jesus until he's 13. He's... Speaking to people in the temple during the Passover and asking really profound and strange questions so that he freaks everyone out. He appears again much, much later where he gets baptized. We say about, like, I always understood it to be yeah. about when he was about 30. Well, no, no. The first time you see him, he's a, a child and he's okay. baptizing people. And then he ad- appears, to, according to tradition, when he's about 30. Okay. We don't know what happened in the interim. But he was a carpenter. carpenter and a rabbi? No, no, he was a carpenter. Oh, he wasn't a we rabbi until later? Okay. He goes into the, he leaves home, he meets his cousin, John the Baptist. Okay. It wasn't his cousin in the movie. In this movie, That's he's fine. a complete stranger. He gets baptized, he goes off in the desert to fast, and he has this sort of vision of himself wrestling with the devil. When he returns from this desert, 40 days of fasting in the desert, he then goes on to become a faith healer and exorcist. He drives devils out of people. Um, and, uh... Not neuromancer. Neuromancer? What's that mean? A A razor of the dead? Neuromancer is something from a William Gibson novel. Oh, yes. (laughs) What's the word I'm looking for? A necromancer. Necromancer. Which isn't quite what he was doing, but... He raised Lazarus from the dead. So I'm going to argue that he was a necromancer. Is that Jesus was a very unusual person historically. He apparently was possessed of amazing amounts of charisma because people just dropped what they were doing to follow him. None of that is apparent in this film. He believed in the equality of men and women as disciples. Also not apparent in this film. Oh, also, oh, the devil is the worst. The film is very misogynist. Misogynist. Oh, it's okay. real bad. He sits over openly and talks to women. He makes women his disciples. Mm-hmm. Um, he believes that God is genderless. He believes that he does rarely addresses... But he doesn't yell, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? Well, he's God? quoting a scripture. 
At one point, he talks about... Isn't his words description? No, he's quoting you something from the Old Testament. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. All right. That's so fine. what happens is that... So he teaches a lot of really unusual things, and he breaks the kind of rigid rules that were being applied at the time right. around religion. For this, he gets crucified. Crucified by and the Romans then, at the behest of Judas. Right. Well, at the behest of the, the temple leaders at the time, because right. he's but leading... At, oh, well, at the signal of Judas. Right. Now, this is... It's important to remember he's leading a religious revolution. Yes. Okay, this film makes him a revolutionary leader. He didn't do that. He didn't believe in violence to overthrow any kind of government. He completely rejected the idea of setting up the government. Um, but he winds up getting crucified, and then... And then three days later... His body disappears. And then he appears to ladies. And he appears first to the set of women. But not as a ghost, like no. as a corporeal being. Man, right. This is... This is where I lo- you no, lose no, me. See, but, <laughs> but that's is, fine. We're not going to go into my belief. Right, but this where is we can, what the Bible say, says. What we can say historically is that his body did disappear. Okay. Because suddenly, all the, and then people are seeing him everywhere. And okay. He, for about 40 days, he's appearing all over the place to people, including crowds of people. And then he disappears again. Again, okay. And then um, Christianity starts. It starts right. a small group of people. It takes Specifically, right. it's... it's um, Kept alive by women, mostly by mostly women. by women, um, and so I know that from my history classes. That's but all. Of that's his, that's the historical historical story Jesus, with the religious in ten minutes right. or whatever. So None of that happens in this film. This movie uh-huh. is not trying to tell a historical story. It is a it adaptation. is a novel adaptation, right. an adaptation of a fictional thing. Uh-huh. I have not read the book. You have not read the I book. I have not read the book. No. So we are not judging the book. Based on the film, I would. I would. I'm not read reading this book. the book. Um, so yeah. First, just on a super basic level, every conversation in this film is two people monologuing with breaks. Right. It'd be like if I gave you a monologue. With every every sentence, I'm going to give you a couple of spaces. I'm going to say pause. Say a sentence, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to say a sentence. But what I say is not a response to what you said. It's just my own thing. I've compared this to li- going to a, a party full of Berkeley postdocs where everyone's trying to impress the other with how smart they are. Another good analogy? Uh-huh. Comedians who are young in the field who do bits right. at you, if you get two of them going at each other, they might be talking even about the same subject, mm-hmm. but they're not conversing with this each other. This is a set of philosophical bits. It's... They're all arguing over it. And something that, uh, what's important with what we just talked about, what, you know, the actual historical, because it walks a very fine line being a historical figure and a religious figure, right? is that... None of those things we described, whatever charisma he had that attracted people. This is the Skywalker Jesus. This is the whiny white man who is indecisive. Incredibly insecure. Immature. Right. Just. He's self-punishing. The first scene we see him building this cross, right, for the Romans, he's also punishing himself. And then he carries it. Right. Oh, is he like he, flagellating? He wears a belt. Oh, okay. I thought he was doing that. It. Oh, I didn't see the and spikes. Then, okay. And then Judas Iscariot, who is not a major character in the Gospels, comes Judas in and Iscariot just slaps is him apparently his best friend. Possibly his boyfriend, according to this. This film. is Harvey Keitel. Right. In fo- that's the other thing we should say real quick. 
all of the Jewish characters mm-hmm. have American, specifically New York accents. Right, exactly. And all of the Romans have British accents. Now, there's something to be said, and I understand. I, I saw at moments when which he was I can kind of understand trying to do though. Stand. Uh-huh. I think straight American accent would have been better than right. the heavy Brooklyn situation right. that we've got Harvey Keitel going in because it's just like, and they've done something to Harvey Keitel's hair that involves uh, orange or red dye and a perm and prosthetic nose. And he's got yeah maybe some sort Let's of prosthetic the nose. Well, but to to go back, I see. I understand what because again, this story is so familiar to so many people. I understand that Martin Scorsese might have been going, okay, let's alienate or change the way that you perceive it right. so that you can accept it in a different way. The problem with that is that he completely strips any of these characters that are Jewishness. They're not remotely Jewish. Oh, these are I didn't a bunch even of, think about they that. They're a bunch of wise guys from Brooklyn. From Brooklyn, yeah. Okay? I and, didn't even think about that. And what's even stranger that. is that during the course he of the film... He just skipped them directly to Catholic. Right. There are Catholic <laughs> characters because... At no point in the Bible does Jesus pull out his heart and show the sacred heart of yeah, Jesus. Yeah, he did that in this That's movie. That's a Catholic idea. At no point does Jesus exhibit stigmata. Again, a Catholic idea. Also, stigmata is... is <laughs> Exactly. Go ahead. <laughs> stigmata is when someone exhibits the wounds of Christ. Right. Jesus can't get stigmata <laughs> before he's crucified because that's nothing. Right. Now you just have a weird bleeding disorder. Right. There's yes. no Are you do you have stigmata for all of the other people that the Romans have crucified? Like what it's, is it's this? Baffling. Also, please went. don't put your hand in your chest. And pull out your heart. Oh. And this is what apparently now in strangely enough, in the Bible. Jesus convinces people through his oratorical skills and his openness to follow him. Here, he rips his heart out of his chest as if he's in Indiana Jones and the Temple yes. of Doom and holds his pulsing thing up to them and look, look, I've got a bloody fist. Follow me. And they all worship him. I'm going, that, why? I would, I would run from somebody ripping their heart out of their chest. At I the, don't. Right at the beginning, yeah. So he is... And he, not only making these crucifixes, but like yeah. carrying, carrying them the crucifixes up to actively participating in the crucifixion of his like, own people. Yeah, he he's at a, mm. there's a very graphic blood spatter across his face right. as he is holding something in place, and they are nailing through someone's ankles. Right, and I'm just and this is like three minutes in. Yeah, something like that. Judas comes and is like, "Fucking knock it off!" Right, and he's like. I'm nothing. I'm everything. I don't know what's happening. He's so uh, extra. He's He's extra. Willem Dafoe, I don't know if there's a way not to overact this writing. No, it's, I don't, I can't, okay. I am going to stay now that uh, I hold none of these men or women responsible uh, for the terribleness of this movie because... A, Martin Scorsese is a hands-on director. Very much so. 
if he didn't want these performances, mm -hmm. these are not the performances we would see. Right. It's the same reason that people want to give Mark Wahlberg shit for the happening and that weird voice that he's affecting. And I do not blame him because if M. Night Shyamalan didn't hear three syllables come out of Mark Wahlberg's face, yell cut right. and be like, motherfucker, <laughs> you need to stop this voice immediately, then it's on Shyamalan, because Shyamalan is also right. notoriously very hands-on, Well, right? it's not like they were working with Marlon Brando and who runs Rushshot over directors. He's right, no, it's Defoe, not. These are... He works with directors. Right. And the performance he gives, we're not looking at... And he's being right. asked to say things that you have to say in a line. Right. Because that is what these words exude. Right. He's not doing... The, if you saw this film and had no knowledge of the story whatsoever... You would think that Jesus was an epileptic who had delusions of, delusions grand, of grandeur, grandeur and wound up getting crucified after convincing himself and a bunch of really wishy-washy guys, yeah, including I would a man think who that might he, be that, in love with him. Epileptic right. disorder made him mentally ill. Right. So the, the, the Jesus of the Gospels is Because he does seize right. several times he has in the film. He seizures several times in the film. So the Jesus of the Gospels who is a supremely confident person who knows their, their mission in their life. Yeah. Is is not at all. Is not this who's character. Just literally, it seems almost agnostic at times. He's questioning why God is talking to him, or if God exists, or what God wants from him. It's like this is yeah. not at all. Yeah. And and then right. um, we also we want to talk about very early in the film. He goes. He says he's going to go out to the desert. He's going to mm. go out to the desert for. Is it 40 days? He's supposed to be out there for 40 days. Uh, for, now, what is the historical reason? Because I was never clear on what his plan was. Well, what happens is that he goes out to be baptized by John the Baptist. Um, oh, but that's not no, what no. happened here. No, that, no, no, no. That specifically... And then in the, he goes okay. out to the desert because he, he feels like he has to purge himself. And what's strange is this happens okay. to Moses, it happens to Buddha. They all go through this they go through this, period. Yeah, okay, this sort of the, you have fast. In the film, and a, it's taken completely, like they rearrange the, the sequence It's in of a events. different order. So before, he's going to go to the desert to mm -hmm. undergo this um, sort of spiritual and physical cleansing, right. say. Um, but before he does that, he goes and spends an entire day in a brothel wherein he is sitting... With the other patrons of the brothel, quite a few of them. Basic, quite a few. Like there are probably fifteen dudes when he right. gets there, and proceeds to watch Mary Magdalene fuck all of them. Right. Because there's a sheer curtain; everything can be seen. And then basically is like, has a I've another, been here all right. day. I'm going out to the desert. Oh, but you need to forgive me before I right. go. Now we we're not told for what, well, but we are. To... This conversation, this is a kind, uh -huh. almost a conversation, and uh, it seems like they were raised together. She uh -huh. was very in love with him when they were young, right? And for whatever reason, they did not get together. Which uh, because uh, possibly because he was whiny and epileptic. Yes, I, but I also exactly he wants what... to remain uh -huh. pure because she. Wants him to stay with her, and he's. She says, "I will touch you. You'll go. You'll go to the desert of virgin." Yeah, this is. I want to uh, bring this up too because this is part of the inherent misogyny of this movie. Mary Magdalene grows up with Jesus, supposedly as a good Jewish girl or a good non-Jewish, strangely Jewish girl, right? Yeah, it's it's unclear again, to me what her faith no ethnicity is. To these She's people, got some tattoos right, that which are anachronistic in themselves. But, Are they? Yeah, I yeah. wasn't sure. So what happens is that, because there's a lot of anachronisms in this film, she apparently grew up with him, was in love with him. He won't 
consummate that love with her because he wants to remain pure for this life of God. So her natural choice is to become the biggest whore in the world. Is that what it is? That's like, what it looks like. Because and, you wouldn't love right. me, I'm going to fuck everyone. Everybody in town. And that's and this is the beginning weird of a lot of jump. weird misogyny in this movie. And I'm surprised that in all the criticisms I've read about it, no one addresses that. And there's going to be a part we'll talk about later involving the devil, who, by the way, is a girl. Well, the devil takes many forms. Right, but... But yes, a, a young woman. Uh, it, it just, a misogynistic young woman. It just fits this weird kind of misogyny that goes all throughout the movie. But again, okay, so Mary Magdalene, they have a conversation, then he goes out to the desert, and he runs into, I guess they're supposed to be like the Essenes, a cult in the desert. He talks to their cult leader, who gives him a place to stay in one of these sort of huts out yeah. in the desert and it turns out he finds the next day that the cult leader actually died yeah before and that he was seeing essentially a ghost he so said oh i'm jesus sees dead everybody's people. busy and and he right. says oh there's a funeral the leader is passed on and then the next day he goes to where they're they've got the body and it's that the man that he was talking to right. before so uh, it, this is not the first or this, this is, is the, the first, first but it will not be the last but he just hangs out with dead people yes that was weird. I don't know. And where... then he comes, like he heads back after that encounter. He heads back and then like stops. It's that famous he who is out without sin can right, throw cast the, the first, first cast stone. the first stone. Mary Magdalene is being attacked, um, and presumably she's about to be stoned to death by the men who probably fucked her last week. Frankly, and he stops them. He's like, only throw, you know. Only if you you're pure. If you're if you haven't sinned, mm-hmm. then you can go ahead and chuck a chuck a rock. And then he starts preaching. Now he's a preacher. No, but he's we a preacher it. in this very kind of dull way. Everyone, yeah. come around, come listen to what I have to say. Why they follow him, I don't know. It's unclear. There's nothing of the kind of strength of character or charisma that attracts people. He's just kind of, you know, a little more certain than he was in the beginning of the film where he was being slapped around by Judas. Um, And then after this, for some reason, they move the position to where he then goes into the desert and has these political discussions with John the Baptist. Yeah. Now, again, in the biblical story, John the Baptist is his cousin. Here, it's a complete stranger. Here, he seems to be, and and very Mm. much like a cult leader. Right. Like, he is... He's preaching a different version of... Right. It doesn't even feel like Judaism. It doesn't... I'm not sure. And and the people gathering at the river, something, again, that's anachronistic and strange is that you would not have men and women stripping naked to be baptized together. And that was sort of threw me out of it, too. There's a lot of weird stuff that he did here that seems to almost be for effect where I don't know what Scorsese was aiming at. Yeah, and he keeps, he, he has visions of himself mm-hmm. with an axe. Right. And it's like, you have to pick violence or love. Like... You can either be the Messiah of love or the Messiah of violence or something. And it's it's very confusing because <laughs> you get lost in all the verbiage. There's a lot of philosophizing going on between these two. Yeah. And then he goes off to his uh, goes into the desert, and this is where the film then turns into Babe the Gallant Pig, because he draws a magic circle to protect himself. He does. And he's confronted by talking animals. Talking animals. A talking snakes and a talking lion with a Brooklyn accent who's trying to convince him. Gotta yes, be the massage. The, the snakes sound like Barbara Mary. Hershey, right. Mary Magdalene, who's played by Barbara Hershey. And the lion sounds like Harvey, Harvey Keitel. Keitel. And the strange... It's the most natural... That right. 
that voice coming out of that lion. Apparently, the lion very, and Harvey Keitel are wearing the same wig. Whew, that wig. Um, I don't think it was a wig. I think they gave him a perm. They just like gave him a, like a, a redheaded perm because redheaded so. people are evil. So I therefore, guess. Jesus must be one. Um, and then at some point, Jesus passes the but with a pillar of fire. That weird. That was to me the cleverest touch in the entire. Oh well, film. that was at the very end. Yeah, right. yeah. Because he's being voiced by you pointed out to me the director of Peeping Tom. Right. Whose name is? Oh no, he wrote the script for Peeping Tom. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, which is actually really fun. Peeping Tom was a film by one of the great English directors. Did you give us a name? Could we oh, give I'm it? sorry. Uh, it's um, just a second. Leo Marx. Leo Marx. Okay. And uh, he he because uh, I thought it was Michael Powell at first. Okay. But uh, who's the director of Peeping Tom? But I thought that was a kind of a clever touch to. Satan is okay, this. so what is Peeping Tom? <laughs> Peeping Tom is a film that was released in the was it early 60s? 60s, early 60s. And it was the end maybe. of the career of Michael Powell, who's a great British director, because it was a film about a serial killer with scopophilia. Uh, who, voyeur. Right, who murders victims as he's recording them on his 60mm camera. And the film was really well made, but even now when you watch it... But it, it looks feels, like a snuff film. Feels it like a feels snuff like film. a snuff film, and it's kind of uncomfortable, which is... I've seen it twice in my lifetime, and both times I felt like I should wash my face after I saw it. But it is a film by a genius director. Who then never worked again because they were like... totally killed his career. Which is a little bananas given, what's his face, Cassell? This is the same man who directed Black Narcissus and The Red Shoes and these classics of British cinema. Cool, you're naming movies I've never seen. I know, but (laughs) for those who know it, he Mm. directed these classic films, and then he does like one film that is still very good. It hits the audience in the wrong way, and then he never gets to work again, which is just wrong. But yeah. anyhow. So out in the desert, he as he's coming back, he meets up with uh, the women. What are their names? Martha? Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha, who try and get him to, like, be their husband. Or chill out, you know, Jesus Because chill, the way to, uh, like, the, the scripture says, <laughs> it's not the Bible. Right. I mean, it's the Old Testament, but it wasn't the Bible at that point. Scripture says that the way to make God happy is to be fruitful and multiply. You have a family and you have babies and you make more more Jews, (laughs) more Jews, and that is how you make that's how you make God happy. And he's like, "Um, I gotta go. I gotta be pure for God." That's he is. I don't know. I, I'm having real problems with this Jesus. And then he starts performing miracles. Well, He's no, he healing. goes back to the desert to get his disciples, remember? And this is when he does his whole, he finds out that John the Baptist is dead. He hears from Mary and Martha, I believe, that John yeah, the Baptist yeah, yeah, is yeah. dead. So again, what happened when he was in the desert being tempted by the devil, he hears John the Baptist intervening and helping him. Right. So he thinks John the Baptist is there with him. Of course, John the Baptist is also dead. So Jesus keeps seeing dead people. Right. He's going to see Bruce Willis next. Oh, that's right. And then... What happens is that um, when he goes, he finds out from Mary and Martha, and then he does the whole Sacred Heart thing. He goes to find his disciples, who he had picked up earlier, still sitting there waiting. See, I thought they were, oh, that's right. They, they were were, like, should they we have, go? And they're like, no, 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 we're going to wait a little bit longer. And there's the longer. one disciple who's, I don't who's know what like, this thing is. Uh, I, got I don't sheep. know where my sheep are. Where are my sheep? I got some sheep, I've right? got sheep. I'm, I'm a te- I've, I've been a bad caretaker. I don't even know where my sheep are. I'm like, I don't think those are your sheep anymore, dude. These are not the 12 It's men. been months. It's been like right. six months. It's <laughs> been a year. You, those aren't your sheep anymore. These are not the 12 men who changed the world. Okay, These are like a bunch of weird guys from Brooklyn. One guy is really inordinately fascinated with his sheep. 
It's not that okay. he's fascinated. That was his life. He was a shepherd. That was right, his whole situation. And now he's he like, about it, but it's like, <laughs> it's like he's been brainwashed. Right. He's like, I don't know why I'm here. There were sheep. You're right. I thought my life was sheep. And, then he and now <laughs> I'm just sitting here waiting for somebody who left like 30 days ago. Right. 40. Well. And then more after that because it's after he's come No, I know. Like all so of this time. A month and a half later, Jesus wanders back there and goes, look, here's my heart. Want to see it? And then they all fall on their knees, including Judas, who for some reason is like the primary Judas disciple. is like a weird character because mm. every... I I hate the word conversation here because that's not uh-huh. what's happening. I'm pretty sure neither of them can hear the other one's actual words. Right. Uh, but Judas is like, I don't know what I believe, but I kind of believe in you. Which is, but I don't know. Almost makes so you it should prove it to me. Seem, but as I if definitely believe in you. But also, I'm going to need you to prove it. But also, I believe in you. But also, prove it. This is why <laughs> I like, honestly what? think happening without reading Katsunakis's book uh, there is some sort of implied romantic relationship on Judas's part like I love you right be the man I want you to be exactly he's Renee Zellweger all right <laughs> oh and, you, and poor Jesus you like, had me you at do not complete follow me right? right okay that what I kept getting all through this film interesting well that doesn't necessarily need to be romantic love but he just, he just... He does kiss him on the cheek. We don't see it. He keeps kissing him all the time. There's a lot of men kissing in this movie. That's but, fine. Which is not a problem, but I'm just going, like, I keep feeling like everything in this film is supposed to mean something. And maybe Nothing it doesn't. Nothing in this film means anything. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe I'm reading so much into this <laughs> movie because of where I come from, my background. And I'm just looking at it going, why isn't it more significant? Or why? Like, yeah, I'm looking let's, for something. Uh, like, let's get okay. through this. So... Mm-hmm. They end up going to Jerusalem, uh-huh. causing a big ass ruckus. So he's like riding a side saddle well, on a donkey. Well, that doesn't happen yet. We still have to get Lazarus from the dead. Well, no. Okay, so huh. then let's fast forward through that. He performs a shit ton of miracles, including, including raising ladder, Lazarus from the dead, who looks like ass. He looks like yeah, a zombie. Right. So maybe don't. Right. It's a real pet cemetery situation. But you're missing my favorite scene: the Jesus and Steven Seagal wandering through demoniacs who are all doing like modern dance and crawling out of holes in the ground. Oh Remember? yeah, I, and he's just like, like you know, touching them. They're falling down and throwing them. Just bizarre. Oh, that's right. Yeah. The, what are they? They're supposed to be. They were mud people. They were just living in holes, and then they were like crawling at him. Right. They were and all nude. I suppose they're supposed know. to be like they're demoniacs. And they're all. What's that? People possessed by the devil. And so he goes up. That's and he's a like, terrible term. Well, fuck a that term. term. <laughs> <laughs> he like, but it's staged almost like it's an action scene. He touches them, and they kind of ride I, around. I, lo- I was it like, was I so, do not understand what is happening. It was so weird. So that's fine. So okay. he's healing people, getting their ears cut off, and he's putting them <laughs> back on, and he's people very blinded, and he makes them see, and he's magic. And then he does kung fu to raise Jesus, Lazarus from the that's dead. That's right. He, he does, does this sort of weird, weird tai kind of, chi. Right. No, it was more like Aikido, actually. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> So I was like, I, actually, I even know don't that you do that? <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, blah, I, blah, blah. They go, they go, they go. They're going to Jerusalem. Because mm-hmm. we're still halfway in. Like, right. I know. There's just so much of this movie. <laughs> this is minute 39, so let's push it forward. We're, we're not going to touch on everything. This no, isn't a moment-by-moment moment recap. 
So they go into Jerusalem in, in a way that you seem to say was not the way, because he went in like an asshole. He's got all his disciples around him. Mm-hmm. He's riding side saddle on a donkey. Uh-huh. And they're like, the king, the king of the Jews. <laughs> and well, I'm just and- like, could you make a bigger ruckus? Right. And then they start. Just punching everyone. <laughs> like, okay, yeah. Where are the they? They're going context, to the temple, right? right? Is okay. In the temple. Remember, it's occupied by the Romans. So the actual... so the we have to real quick. Uh-huh. My vision of what a temple was and what a temple actually is were uh-huh. very different. Right. So this is almost like like their version of a mall, almost. It's a city. Okay, the temple itself was on a mountain. It was on a hill. It was almost like a city to itself. You, right. You went and got sacrifices, but the thing but was. But then there there are like right. um, vendors so sort of all happened. along the edges. Okay. The historical story is the Romans took over everything and you were forced to use Roman money. Okay. All right. Jews don't believe in graven images. So you couldn't use Roman money inside the temple. Okay. So, so you had to get like. Because they, right. they don't believe in graven images in of words, what? Of God's. And the Roman coins all had a picture of Caesar on them. Caesar is considered to be a god. So they said, you can't bring that money okay. into the temple. It's it's weird uh-huh. that... The, okay, I, I'm right. going to get hung up on history and, and ask for some clarifications. Okay. The Jews don't see Caesar as god. No, they don't. So why would they have a problem with his graven image? Or are they doing it just as a way to keep... There's two Some things. Some autonomy. Yeah. Because One, to keep autonomy, because okay. that's a really big thing that we don't want here. But secondly, because they're like, we don't want the image of foreign gods in our temple. They were okay, that's fair. Okay. So what happens, if you went to go get a sacrifice, to go sacrifice an animal to cover your sins, because yep. they did it back then. That's how you do. You had to exchange money in the temple, like for temple money that you used inside the temple, sort of like the tokens you have at Disneyland. Right. Uh, no, Disney I understand. Pay. That's exactly so, what it is. I'm like, so we're Chuck E. Cheese. Gotcha. Right. So, but the thing was that in the historical story, Jesus gets really mad because they're charging people exorbitant rates for exchange. And so there are poor people going, I'm full of sin. I need to be expiated for my sin. They're going, good. We have a 15%... Surcharge. Surcharge. And um, is it is it Jewish people or Roman people who are Jewish doing that? People who are doing this. Jewish people who are doing that. Uh, who okay. are taking advantage of their own people and also sort of blocking mm-hmm. it but off. But it's capitalism. They were That's profiting. how we do. Yeah. So he gets really mad and goes, people's sins deserve to be forgiven regardless of what Okay, they're yeah, because I didn't know what right. was happening. They're riding down these like corridors. Right. And like it looks like there's no lid, like, right. or, like no ceiling or roof, but there are definitely high walls, and they're going mm-hmm. through these corridors. Yeah, and they basically just start punching everyone who's lined up along this corridor. Well, and again, and see, I'm just like, what the fuck? What is going I just on? told you has more context than what you saw in the film. Again, it's almost like he assumes you know the story. So Jesus yeah. suddenly gets out and starts knocking. He doesn't people say over get and, the money changers. No, no, he doesn't say nothing. anything. They just start wailing, and it's not just men. Right. There are like, and I thought that they were vendors. Like I was, I was like, I thought right. they were selling hats and sunglasses. Well, they're also I don't know. To be sacrificed. Okay, like so right? it, it was, but it looked like market stalls. Right. And then he just, they just start going ham, just throwing fists, <laughs> and I'm like, what's going on? These are the people. Like these aren't the Romans. What's right. happening? And the funny thing is, it happens twice. <laughs> The second time he comes in and he again with no excuse just starts shoving people, shoving and people, punching them, and that's when, f- 
for some reason, it's like he's trying to lead a political revolution. Right, and then all of the Romans come... Cause the, he no, goes, those, are the, those are the temple guards. Oh, okay. So mm-hmm. he goes... Um, right before this, he's talking to Judas, and he's like, I, don't, I know I have to be crucified. I'm going to do it. We're going to do it. And we're doing this Ooh, And it's like, oh, like getting yourself ready for, for a football game or whatever, like just pu- so pumping himself up, and then he fucking... Wuss is out at the last minute. Because he gets stigmata. Well, because all of the temple guards right. stop them, and they're like, do we attack them? Right. Or do we retreat? Right. And Jesus literally is like, I'm weak. Carry me out of here. Right. He does, <laughs> he does a full-on sort of fainting, uh, uh, you know, starlet. But right before that, he's and like, I'm like, the temple guards are just going right. to let you walk and out of here? And that was the other thing. Like, okay, now that you've started a riot, you can just go home. Go ahead. We're going to forget all about oh, this. It was really some white lady shit. And I just, and then afterwards, he, he has another revelation. And at this point, you're siding with Judas. Like, could you please make up your mind? Make up your mind. So, yeah, Judas is all ready to throw down. Right. You want to put an axe in my hand and we take these fuckers out? Cool. Let's do it. And Jesus is like, but I'm loved. I have to die on the cross. But I'm loved, but I'm carrying this axe around all the time. It is just weird. And then they have Passover, Mm -hmm. where he literally turns a glass of, or goblet of wine into blood. No, he did that before that. Oh, yes, but he does. He does turn it into blood. Oh, yeah. No, he made, he turned water into wine earlier. He turns wine into into blood here. It's hysterical because... Go check those. those it's those, so those weird. Okay, yeah, let's do this. <laughs> right, They're at a wedding. Right. This is the story, too. It's like a three-day mm, wedding. Right. And the the proprietor of the wedding, which is mm. not the right word, but like the the, the person store, the host, is like, you know, I'm so grateful that we're having this great party, but right. I fucking allotted two days of wine, and right. we are into the third day, and I do not have any wine, and... And Jesus is like, what about those those containers over there? And he's like, no, they're water. And he's like, mm, you should check it out. He's like, no, no, they're water. I put the water in it myself. He goes, go ahead and look. Wink. Right, exactly. <laughs> I'm just like, and he's like, no, they're, I mean, I, I'll look, but I put the water in there myself. Like, there's a lot of, right. hey, uh, just do what this man says. <laughs> but also... This dude should know whether there's water or water. And then right. he opens up and he, you know, takes a ladle full and he drinks it. He's like, it's wine. And then you just, it's <laughs> fucking this shit-eating grin on Willem Dafoe's face. And I was like, I expected him to hold up a Mentos thing and just he be did, like, though. He did, because what he does is that he kind of nods and holds up his cup like, you know, That's you're right. watching a beer ad or Cheers. something. Cheers. Like, right? He's the most interesting man in the world. Right, exactly. It was... Ridiculous. What am I looking at? I mean, it's it was baffling. There are moments in the film that are laughable, and how people in an audience did not break out laughing and maybe I mean it was mm. so. So we've got Jesus finally. They have their final Passover seder. Mm -hmm. He they share some bread. This is he says this is my flesh. Mm -hmm. Do this to think of me. This is my blood. Do this to think of me. And then at the end, you see that it's blood in, in the... Peter's case, yeah. Yeah. He's actual blood in the Gross. Um, which my mother... Side story. My mother, raised Catholic. Uh-huh. 
uh, freaked out at her first communion because believed it was going to be mm. flesh and blood that she was ingest injecting and I'm or ingesting and I'm like, y'all should go over what a metaphor is. Right. But the problem is the priest. Do y'all do they really believe in actual transubstantiation? That's a big bone of contention because. Yeah. That used to be what split the Protestants from the Catholics. Mm. One of the main beliefs was, no, we don't believe that it actually turned turns into, into the body and right. blood of Christ. But, uh, and that was a big But the Catholics point. do. Well, the Catholics nominally do now. Back there was, but they really should inoculate point, the children right. because that is. Ta I don't want that. No, mm -mm. no, that's cannibalism. <laughs> yes. and it's not at all what we're into. Upon. Um, and then. It, I know from the story, mm. Judas goes, Mwah! and then that's out. how they know that's now, Jesus. You, Even a... though he's literally been yelling, I'm the king of the Jews right. through the entire city. If y'all don't know who he is, I, I can't help you with your job anymore. <laughs> like... Right. And again, something Jesus never did. No. You know, he doesn't go around proclaiming himself things. I am the son of God. I am the king of the Jews. Right. But he said both of those things. Uh, and but then we have one scene with an amazing David Bowie. David Bowie. Right. He plays Pontius Pilate. He is underutilized and, and just underutilized, I think. I thought he was very good. Yes, and I wanted him to do the, I mean, for those of you who don't know the story, Pontius Pilate is a little freaked out by Jesus. He's in the, book. the uh the Roman governor. Okay, the governor. Okay. So what happens is that he I'm probably saying that all wrong, but at one point he was Politically wants to, he's in charge. He right. needs to decide what's gonna happen right, to Right, because they bring Jesus to him to be executed on sedition because People keep claiming that he's the king of the Jews. Now Which is the, so they're 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 they wanna hang him for or like like uh, or crucify him for, for political reasons, oh, but blasphemy. No, no, the Jews. Oh, the to... king of the Jews. Right. So, so if you are a king and right. we're the Jews are our enemy, you are the king of our enemy. Right. Okay. So, Even though, why are the Jews the enemy? Uh, that's a that's, that's not. <laughs> but the realized, point is, oh no, that's like the history of the Jews, and we're not doing that today. So I'm sorry, Jewish Pontius Pilate, in this story. Jesus won't speak to him. Jesus doesn't shut up in this version. Jesus won't speak to him. So Pontius Pilate is trying to talk to him. And then Pilate's wife is just like, well, some people are saying he's a god. Is he? And now remember, Romans believe that gods and humans foster children all the time. Yes, of course. So yeah, If had, you tell me that you're mm -hmm. the son of a god god and a mortal woman, right. okay. It's like Hercules, yeah, that sounds right. Perseus, all of their yeah. stories are about this. So he starts to get kind of, and Pilate's not a nice guy either. Although it's... It's also not clear to me whether yeah. Romans really believe that or the well, Greeks really believe that. It was a really part of their belief that. system. Okay, so okay. it wouldn't be out of line. So with the when system. you hear stories about him putting people's ears back on and doing things like that, it obviously starts to freak them out. So Pontius Pilate does not want to kill him. Um, no, he, he looks guy. very weary and resigned in this and situation. And the scene, the biblical story has him when he keeps getting pressed, asking for a wash basin and washing his hands, which is where we get the saying, "I wash my hands of it." From Pontius Pilate. Like, do whatever you want. One of the most famous things in the entire story, and they ju he just won't do it. But like, but but by him saying, I'm washing my hands of it, what mm -hmm. is he actually He's saying? He's saying, I'm, I'm no longer responsible for the death of this man. So, but who is? Who, That's who, it. 
He hand, who he hands it off to no one. Hands it off to his own soldiers to get rid of because the Jews supposedly the but Jews as he puts it once his own soldiers. It's right. still the Romans because the Jews it's, can't execute anybody because they're under Roman occupation. So of oh, course like his soldiers okay, have to do it. Right, they right. can't even enforce the law. So it was a classic case of I'm just not going to take responsibility yep. for anything, and that's weirdly not my issue anymore. Right then, Jesus is beaten. Uh-huh. He gets the thorn of crowns. Uh, crown of thorns. Crown of thorns. Thorn of crowns. <laughs> the thorn of crowns. Which is kind of like a <laughs> game, of game of thorns situation. Thorns, right. Yes. Uh, the crown right. of thorns, which, which is, is like actually a really good. It's yes, like it's, it looks heinous. Right. Um. Then he is nailed up, and they nail him in the correct places, mm-hmm. wrists and ankles. Right. Uh. And then he's up there for a little while. He's not ever stabbed in the side, Mm-mm. so we don't see that that um, part of it. Uh, but then he sees a little girl. And the crowd is full of assholes, by the oh, way. Oh, the crowd is full of people who are like pointing and laughing, like, literally ha, 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 look at that guy. pointing and laughing. Um, and he's looking back and forth at the two other men who are being crucified as well. Um, and he said one like, is a thief and one is a murderer. Right. Well, of course, in this <laughs> version of the story, I don't know. We don't know, know who they are. They could we be stand-up comedians. I have no idea. Um, and then he sees a girl in the crowd. Right. And that girl is says, I'm your guardian angel. And I'm shit at my job. <laughs> I know. I'm like, you're not <laughs> I'm good being at your crucified. job. Like, what were you supposed to be doing while this I'm, is going on? Um, and then, like, reasons quote-unquote, reasons with him that, no, Abraham was given reprieve when he was told to kill his son. And right. All, like, your God, God is not a God of, you know, of, of violence. Mm. God is a God of mercy and love. And he, you've done enough, and you get to come down off the cross and live the life like, of a yeah, man. Yeah, we're, we're calling it. <laughs> and... How he believe, gets off the cross. I, I don't we don't know, know how he gets off the cross. <laughs> and then, oh, she kisses the wounds and uh-huh. they close up. All right. But, but yeah, that's, I, I think she pulls him down. I'm trying to remember how she gets up there. Yeah, it's, and then it's close now, up so you can't really right. see what's and he's happening. he's naked at this point, so now he's he is dressed. nude. And still covered in blood. Then he's, he's dressed, still... then he, they clean him. Oh, no, then he, he goes and he... Meets Come. Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene's the there in a white dress because they're gonna get me. So married. happy to see him. Uh, she is so happy to see him. And um, then they intimate that they consummate their marriage because right. then there are babies. There are babies. Yes, they're, we see them consummate their marriage. It's a bump and grind for like a second. Mm, yeah, okay, I'm like, uh, I think mm. I was checked out. I know they kissed. And then, and then. Um, after that, there's just like this sort of fast forward where the guardian angels. There's fast forward where then the, then he just got that. some kids, mm-hmm. and then they fast forward more. And does Mary Magdalene die in Mary childbirth? Magdalene, I think she does because she's pregnant. And then one day she just I don't know what she's doing, minding her own business, like you know you do. And then she sees a bright light and she smiles at it. The next scene is Jesus finding out that she's dead. Okay, I, yeah, this really, part was very confusing right. to he me. He gets this, really pissed off. This feels very much like that last scene in 2001. Right. Where we're just, and now we're here, and and now right. we're here. And so in his morning, he's walking down the road. And now in all these scenes also, the guardian angel is it's there and unchanged. Mm-hmm. Um, and he talks to her presumably out loud in front of other people so can other people see them it's unclear bruce willis 
But as he's walking, he comes upon Mary and Martha, the two sisters, Uh again, and is told by his guardian angel that everyone woman is every woman. And yeah. every woman there is only one woman. So this woman is just as good as right. the woman you're mourning. Get on in there. Well it's the same woman because all there's only one there's woman. There's only one every yes, right. every woman is the same. There right. is only one woman. And it's just a different face. It's just on a every different woman. face on everyone. But Woman was put here for man, uh-huh. and one woman. There is only one, right? And so, uh, so it, it and is, then uh-huh. sister goes away or whatever is out one day. Uh-huh. Other sister comes on to him, and what does she say? There's only one woman. Right. So he then Actually, then we there's literally two women. There's literally two, but. Then we move forward, and mm. he's had a gaggle of kids with right. both of these women, apparently, and no one had a problem in the society with that. I don't know that bigamy was a... I don't think bigamy was... I'm not sure at what point bigamy started being looked down upon there. It's I think the very only relationship like this we see right. in this movie, but... It, yeah, that was just really confusing. The guardian and angel, gross. The guardian angel is around the entire time, just kind of, and she's there while Jesus is consummating this relationship. She's actually in the room, which makes it very weird. Yeah. And she appears to be around with the kids. I don't know if she's interacting with them. It's anything. unclear. It's unclear right. whether she is an invisible thing to anybody but him. Right. Or if she is a part, which I would assume, because if she never ages. Right. That's a little... No, mind you, so this, then, this is an angel who just keeps apologizing, because I also remember that she apologized about uh, Mary dying. I'm so sorry, I left her behind. It'll never happen again. Oh, that's right. It's like Jesus yeah. has another abusive relationship with someone other than Judas Iscariot. That's right. It's just... Oh, it wasn't even in childbirth. That's right. It was literally the next day. It was like the day weird, after they yeah. were married. Like, he woke up and she was dead. It's hard to tell... It's hard to tell how much time because they've because, started making fl- right. fla- flash forwards without telling us. And then comes a scene, I think, that actually is offensive that, for a lot of reasons to people. Okay, yeah. And Jesus, that is, Jesus comes upon Paul, his Paul, former apostle. Right. Well, no, no, no. Now, Paul wasn't... Um, one thing that they did in the book, that or one of the things they did in the film, rather, that doesn't happen in the story, is that Judas is a zealot, which means he's part of a, a group of Jews who want to overthrow the Romans through right. violence. Okay. That wasn't Judas. Um, here, Paul is one of them, too, which is also was not part of the, the historical story. Um, Paul never met Jesus in real life. Oh, okay. So here, he's meeting Paul who then is going on preaching. And, and Harry Dean Stanton, to his credit, does Oh, that's a great, right, it was Harry Dean Stanton. Just a great evangelical preacher, kind of. And yeah. I met Jesus, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. And so he's giving the story of Jesus mm. who died on the cross. And right. Jesus is like, why are you telling people I died? I'm right here. Right. And he's like, you're not the Jesus I'm talking about. He's like, I'm the Jesus. There's only one Jesus, and that Jesus be me. And, and he's like, right. the Jesus that I am telling about mm-hmm. is a savior for these people and is more important. I don't give a fuck who you are. Exactly. And that because was, if you got off the cross, then you are not who I'm talking about. I can understand completely. And why the story would be is more important right. than the man. Yeah. So and then Jesus again goes back to being whiny and, and pissed about that. Yeah. And but Paul is like, I don't give a fuck. This is the story I'm gonna tell because this is the story that my people need to hear. Right. 
So, and then near the end of his life, elderly Jesus come, like, calls his former disciples. Like, why would they have any, like, so apparently, he's now lived another 20 or 30 years. 20 or 30 years. Oh, they are burning Jerusalem. Right. Like, they're destroying Mm. Jerusalem, burning it, and killing everybody in it. Right. At one point. And that's done in such a, it's like, it's almost done as an aside that has nothing to do with the rest of the story. No, he's just like out in his yard one day and they're like, get inside. They're Mm -hmm. burning and killing everyone. And I'm like, you think a wooden door is going to stop that? Apparently it did. I mean, apparently, because then he keeps getting older. Um, And then... He gets all of his peeps come to his bedside. Not all of them, just a few, because this is a low-budget film. Yeah, his disciples disciples come back and... He's talking to them about how he was saved by this angel. And then, like, Judas bursts in and is like, that's no angel, that's the devil. Right. (laughs) Judas is the most spiritually attuned person in the entire film, including Jesus. And then she bursts into the flame and is like, (laughs) psych. And then then... he takes his old ass and, like, Snake or like army crawls right out of out of his house right up to the hill on which he is being cross crucified. But before that, he goes to the burning Jerusalem, which is weird because it's like jumping around in time. Like, didn't that happen already? And it's well, he's got to go back in time Mm. because he gets to himself on the cross. And this is so he had yes, he literally has to go back in time. Reminding me of Hamlet too. Did you ever see that film? I didn't see the end of uh, it. Uh, that, yeah, that's that's now what it looks like. Jesus is going back in time. Um, and he winds up accepting, put me back on the cross. I can save humanity. This is, And then he goes and he, he dies. Yep, like then he's it. back up on the cross and he says, it is accomplished. It is accomplished. accomplished. And then he dies. And then the film like burns, which was uh, an accident. Apparently, it's accident. the film got overexposed, and so all you see is all these bright colors and sprocket holes. And I'm not sure what any of that means, but and that's then that's the end. end. That Thank is God. the two hundred two hours and forty three minutes. Oh my God, I will never get end. back. Um, yeah, this movie's real bad. And it, like I said, I you can tell any Jesus story you want to yeah. tell. I don't necessarily believe the original one, so I'm, I'm, I'm not bothered by any uh, alternatives. Alternatives, But give me a character who is compelling and interesting mm. and dialogue that sounds like people talking to each other. Right. Um, and maybe a dark-skinned, dark-haired, dark-eyed man. Right. Mm, probably, yeah, that. Um, what else, what else? Oh, uh... If we could not just consider every woman the The one woman that is appropriate for you to put your dick in, that'd be great. That was so heinous. I'm just like, are we really? I'll tell you what I think happened with this film, okay? Um, There's a movie that I really like from 1993 called Matinee. Yes. With John Goodman. Yes. And it's about, it's sort of like a loose, uh, sort of a parody of... um, uh, a filmmaker, William Castle. Okay. He used to use a lot of gags. In oh, the and, he'd do like zappers uh, right. and sprays and Put, things. You know, yeah. Joy buzzers in the bottom of your seat. He'd do all these other things, and he'd have these selling points. These, 
Anyhow, John Goodman plays this character. Oh, also, the music for this movie was written by Peter Gabriel. It's very good music. It's very anachronistic and weird for the subject. Okay, go ahead. So, in that movie, John Goodman sends people into the town where his film is playing, which is basically just a B-movie, and stirs up controversy by claiming, I want you to stand at the ticket booth and claim that nobody should ever see a movie like this. And so people have this reaction going, but it's our civil rights, we have to see this movie. And they pack the theater in reaction to John Goodman deliberately having people talk shit about his movie. Oh, interesting. And, okay. and so that's his tactic for filling up the theater. And so I had a feeling that this movie has this reputation because fundamentalists and other very right-wing religious leaders worked so hard to talk about its horrible reputation. It's not a successful film artistically. It was not a successful film financially. The reason why we remember this is because other, like the backlash. It also feels like it was made in the seventies, which is when he wanted to make it originally. It doesn't feel right. like a movie that was made in nineteen eighty-eight at no, all. No. Like the way, well, mm-hmm. the way that it's styled. Mm-hmm. He's got the featheriest, the feathery hairs. Right. Well, no, he has the feathery hair when he comes back from being tempted in the desert. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a pr- it was pretty feathery at the beginning, but, but it got longer. Blown out, <laughs> you know, like being tempted by Lucifer does this to you. Uh, you know, that's right. Um, I'll have to watch The Exorcist again to see if it works that way for Linda Blair. But it just, yeah, it. The film had been he'd been trying to make it for years because when he was shooting Boxcar Bertha for Roger Corman, that's how long ago, is when Barbara Hershey gave him the book, and he'd been trying to do it as a big budget, more typical. Ben Hur or Greatest Story Ever Told, kind of a biblical epic. No one wanted to do that. He had everyone from Mar- from um, Robert De Niro to Aidan Quinn, yeah, to play Jesus. That never so happened. A lot of pale motherfuckers. I'm well, he saying. never saw it as, and again, he doesn't see it as a story. Well, apparently, yeah, he originally uh-huh. wanted to do, or like he had Aidan Quinn as Jesus, Sting as Pontius Pilate. So he really just liked the idea of... Well, and Vanity is Mary Magdalene. And Vanity is Mary Magdalene. And then he went further and... You couldn't have made that more 80s movie if you mm, fucking tried. Madonna wanted to, was trying out for... Madonna wanted to be Mary Magdalene at one point. Jeff Bridges really wanted to be... Oh, there's also a shitty um, scene with him and his mom. I want to save this real quick. There's a scene where his mom comes after him and is like, Oh, you're alive. I'm so glad to see you. Because he's been, you know, right. out gallivanting in the desert or whatever. And he's like, who are you to me? Or who am I to you? I'm nothing. You're nothing. We're nothing. I gotta go. Peace. Like, <laughs> what? Because I guess, and this is before one woman was every woman, or there is only one woman. Right. Which, I don't know, yeah, why didn't he say, what about my mom? <laughs> like, does that mean my mom is just a badge? Like, what's I, happening? I don't even want to think about that but yeah, so I I don't know what to say about Martin Scorsese doing this film. This was obviously like a labor of love for him. He shot on half the budget that he wanted. He shot it on Morocco. And this is what makes it even stand out stranger. He shot it in Morocco using locals for all the supporting cast. Yes. And his New York group of actors. It looked like skin. people who would have lived right. there. Half the guys then, in the movie looked like a better Jesus than people. Right. Yes. It was just, it's strange. And so I don't. Yeah, it's whatever. But I don't think the film was a success. I think also it just was this movie is called face. The Last Temptation of Christ. So ostensibly what 
the point of it is, is that final thing of right. him getting down from the cross, right. living this life, and then going back. Right? That's right. the temptation. That would be the is, last temptation. That's yeah. the last temptation, right? Why does that come two hours into the movie? After several other temptations. There's more temptations than there are in Yeah, Montana. don't tell me about all these other temptations. Tell yeah, me about the one that you mentioned in the title. Yeah, I, I just, it baffled me because at the end of it, again, I have that opinion that this movie is famous and lauded for the controversy and the fact that you had to come up on the right side of it. Roger Ebert wrote a beautiful review for this movie. It is yeah. really beautiful. I might read it because it's uh, it's in his greatest right. uh, list. And um, it was one of Gene Siskel's right. best of the year. Um, and yeah, I, I'm curious to read his His review, uh, him review as a lapsed Catholic and, mm-hmm. and ongoing agnostic. But he wrote this beautiful review of the film. And I remember reading that around the time that the film came out, which is part of what compelled me to want to see the film this time. Right. And it's like his review is so much better than this film. Oh, <laughs> and I, that's rough. It is really weird. I don't understand the reputation for this movie. I don't understand it. I, I can see why people are upset with it. And again, I don't want to make it look like, because of my background, I'm angry at the film for being blasphemous. I'm angry at the film for just failing, you know? I, none of this speaks to the actual story the way that we know it. None of it speaks to why this person was so charismatic change the world none of it yeah let me read a little piece this is from wikipedia but it's Uh from the roger ebert um review uh he says that scorsese and the screenwriter paul schrader well now he also wrote taxi driver right Mm -hmm. so we've seen others of his work in this series um quote paid christ the compliment of taking him and his message seriously and they have made a film that does not turn him into a garish, emasculated image from a religious postcard. Here he is, flesh and blood, struggling, questioning, asking himself and his father which is the right way, and finally, after great suffering, earning the right to say, on the cross, it is accomplished. Period. So, all of mm-hmm. that is true, but the way in which it is accomplished is not ha- not done well. It's yeah. not good, like I said, not good words, not great images, not great drama. There's not. A, there's. There's. He's. He's so mm-hmm. self. He's so torn within himself, mm-hmm. and that is a very hard thing to portray on film, right. for sure. Because mostly it is nonverbal, right. and I don't know if. And I don't even want to blame Willem Dafoe for this. I would blame Martin Scorsese for this. He is right. not skilled to get that from an actor. I don't like, think anybody could work well with this material. No, that's the it thing. You, so you can't start with right. this script and get to where you want to be. You right. have to get rid of a lot of these words. Like A lot of his inner tor- turmoil mm. needed to be done non-verbally, and it right. was all done verbally with bad Right. Verbs. Like, <laughs> so um, it needed to be done with anguished faces. It needed to be done with action, even. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. It was all done with this woe is me, I don't know, I don't know, back and forth. Right. Uh, verbiage, which is uh, not good. Well, a few years earlier, Franco Zeffirelli, the director, had done a version of 
the story of Christ, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, which for both religious people and non-religious people is kind of the gold standard of how to tell the story. Of course, it was, I think, eight or ten hours. It was done for television. Right. And what he did was, because he was a Catholic himself, Zeffirelli, the producer was Jewish, he really tried to integrate, despite the fact he was still using European actors, a lot of the Jewishness into the film. Yeah. So you see him taking a Passover dinner, going to a Seder, mm-hmm. you see him interacting with other going to Temple. So that film, Zifarelli was so angry at this film that he withdrew one of his films from the, the Venice International Film Festival because of competing. Um, and I don't see that as... And it's hard to separate where religious people have this sort of yeah. bug about it. Well, I just think it's so interesting that Scorsese, who since he was a child, right. wanted to direct a movie about the life of Jesus... That this is what he did. You're given an option. You're Martin fucking Scorsese in 1988. You can make any movie you want. Why is this the version of Christ's life that you went with? Yeah, I don't know exactly. And again, that's what's really bothered me about it. I I I'm just like, does somebody have something on you? He just kind of (laughs) really, it's watching somebody who you respect really fall down. Like, are you too close to the material that you didn't think you could do a a quote-unquote historically accurate Mm -hmm. version um, without getting yourself too involved in it, he was trusting, so you put yourself yeah. so far away from it that well, it we, seems, I don't even see Scorsese. It doesn't look like a Scorsese movie. It seems to me as if he didn't have the not the courage of his convictions. I would never say that about somebody, but it's almost like he was so apprehensive about approaching the subject that taking this other person's version of the yeah. event. This other person's book and interpreting that yeah. was safer than putting right. what it, he like felt. he wanted to put himself as far away from as it a, as, as possible, distance. and so I don't see him even in this. Yeah, and I I don't I don't ever want to be on the same side really as Pat Robertson. Yeah, that's I don't want to be on the same side. That's a shitty place to be. Get out of there. But at the same time, I have to agree this movie just failed. It dropped yeah. the ball. And the, but you know what? You know that because you saw it. Right, and there we go. That that's Pat Robertson has not watched this film, right. so I don't really need to know what you have to say about it. You don't. You don't know. You didn't watch it's it. The fear, and again, I understand because this is a complaint that I have all the time when we're watching television programs. Christianity is the world's largest religion by far. It's horribly represented in movies. Yeah, it's religious. which is crazy because right. well. If you are a certain type of Christian, uh-huh. there are actually a lot of Christian faith-based movies mm-hmm. that are made right. and released in you know, roundabout ways um, that I think are well-loved by that community. Mm-hmm. They're probably quality-wise about as good as like the worst of Tyler Perry's movies. Well, they're also because yeah, if you're making yeah. stuff for a niche audience, sometimes you make it for sort of the lowest common denominator, mm-hmm. which doesn't do anybody any favors. Hey, y'all, make movies that make smart movies for people. Right. Just make smart movies for people. They'll get there. Well, I don't. I, get there. Yeah, I don't think you. Need and to you don't have to. Anybody. You don't have to be condescending. Right. But make a good mo- fucking Barry Jenkins can make movies for black people. Right. That are good fucking movies that people want to watch. I'm just saying. You don't have to dress up as a fat lady. Uh. (laughs) I just felt that, yeah, I I don't know. It was, as I said, it was just sort of a disappointment. I don't don't know where to lay that. And I I don't want to side with, I don't want to side with people who are doing this like, we shouldn't see this film. Because 
Yes, as I was saying earlier, I do get offended sometimes that it's hard not to get offended at pictures of Jesus that are in stories like Preacher on television. Yeah. Or um, I know that's not your jam. American, I won't even watch it in front right. of you. <laughs> American Gods is another one. Where yeah, you, you see don't Jesus wanna, doing yeah. ridiculous things, Jesus having orgies, or the film that Anna Kendrick did, where Jesus essentially is a hard-drinking dude who just wants to party with people. I don't um, know what movie you know, The film with Anna about. Kendrick where, uh, about the second coming. Um, oh, I didn't realize she was in that, and I haven't right. seen it. And then there's the uh, the film uh, that Paul Rudd did with Gretchen Maul, where there's... Um, Is that in the Ten Commandments movie? Yeah. 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 They, you, we've already talked about how you right. were not... Yeah, so those... I feel like I liked the beginning of that movie, but I only saw like the first one right. or two. And then I it's was just, like... But a movie that's deliberately trying to break all Ten Commandments. Right. Like, give me a break. But the thing is, I'm not saying I will. I don't have to watch them. No, I'm aware those images are out there. I don't have to watch those right. television programs. I don't have to watch them. I wish I had better alternatives. I'm not going to that were watch, faith, right. maybe faith based not, or not even necessarily faith based. Tell me a story. Tell, yeah, no, that's you know, true. Um, I'm an English major, really. So going, uh, not all the stories in the Western canon, in terms of fiction, represent Christianity in a positive light, anyhow. No. Not when you're reading Jack London. Well, you know like, why. Right. I mean, it's it's a punching up situation. Mm -hmm. And that's actually probably the way that it should be. Mm -hmm. It is a dominant, or if not the dominant religion right. in the world. It is the dominant religion. So, what is, so, why do we need to bolster it? <laughs> like, it's so fine. It's I up can there. Read one of my favorite books by H.G. Wells is The Island of Dr. Moreau. If you read it on a metaphorical level, it's incredibly offensive to Christianity. Um, but it's still one of my favorite books because he has a point to make. Right. And it's really well written. Right. But then there are things like the Philip Pullman books, right. which you are right out of. Right out of, because it's like... And I haven't read those, so I actually can't speak to The whole point isn't any kind of criticism. It's just sort of venom. Okay. And then there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of stuff like that, though, but I don't have a problem with accepting. Well, you any just kind of wish that there was smart things. Right, that I wish were... there were smarter things that also represented this. But, um, but yeah, so I don't have any problem with the fact that this film exists. That's ridiculous. It's just it's a bummer that it, there's a Martin Scorsese movie that stars Harvey Keitel and Willem right. Dafoe, and it's fucking terrible. Right. It's so let's wash the taste of this film out of our mouth. Why don't you recommend something that currently that people can get into? That doesn't involve anybody being nailed to anything. See, I say that, what if I did want to do something where <laughs> right. people are nailed to stuff? Two things, both on Hulu, one wholeheartedly, one tentatively. One, we finally finished The Handmaid's Tale season yes. two. Absolutely. It is rough. Like, that show is a little too close to some homes and also bleak but very very good so and now that we've seen the whole thing i will say hearty recommendation if you have the stomach for it if the news is leaving you in a place where you are raw and open wound don't watch don't watch thing. this <laughs> especially if you're a woman or a person of color if you're not like a hail hearty straight white man it's not great for you it's also not great for for you, if you are a hill hardy straight white man, because you don't come out looking real good, but you're not being tortured, so there's that. <laughs> it's a really good series. It has a lot of, this season in particular, has some beautifully yes. acted moments. Yes. She's, uh, Elizabeth Moss is doing very, very excellent work. Right, she is, absolutely. As is uh, Rory. This is the best thing she's ever done. 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to call her Rory. You, you just called her Rory. <laughs> no, I know, but I now I can't think of her. You Alexis call her Bledel. It's uh, yeah. oh, that is fucked up. <laughs> We're not gonna call women by parts of their body. Oh well, but no. But Christina Ricci. Uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> okay. Alexis Bledel is. I like this Alexis is Bledel. probably the best. She's. I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. Uh-huh. She's not a great actress, or at least she has not been a great actress in several of the things that I have seen her in. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I don't know that she, maybe she has these great roles off screen that I didn't know about, but she's not very good in the Gilmore Girls. She's good for what she needs to do, right. but she didn't need to do much. She's terrible in the Sin City movie. So then we okay. we come here. I've never seen Tuck Everlasting. I know it's a travesty no. on the on the No, uh, this story. is almost as big a travesty as the movie that we just reviewed. Um Let's take a great but she is great it. in a hitman so okay. I am very happy that she learned how to breathe. What is because that all through the Gilmore Girls, she was running out of breath at the end of her lines. I don't think that it that's drove me true. crazy. Like, and now maybe it might be the she fact needed that she had, to learn how to breathe. So that it was a lot of it so was much a dialogue. shit ton of dialogue. Yeah. Um, and strangely enough, unlike the film we just reviewed, people spoke to each other. Though, yes. Right? Well, a lot of their shit was also kind of dual monologues at the audience. Right. Like, let's see how many witty things we can get each of them to well, say. But. Last Temptation of Christ was dueling monologues. Yeah, it's no, just, I know, you know, I know. That's what I'm saying. But Gilmore Girls was similar, right. maybe separate, but aimed at the audience. These were at each other and not equal. Like, this was like bad high, missing a high five. <laughs> Jesus and John the Baptist, it was kind of like the conversational equivalent of the dueling banjos. Because uh, that's good. Well, but at least they, they melded at some point the banjos. These two did yeah, not. Yeah, these. Uh, no, that's what I'm saying. Dueling banjos, good. This, not Dueling not banjos, good. good. Jesus and John the Baptist. So, my five. second recommendation is Castle Rock, also Castle on Rock, Hulu. Which I also recommend. We are up to four episodes. Uh, it comes out on Wednesdays. It's basically replaced The Handmaid's Tale mm-hmm. now that it, it finished its season. Uh, this is a, I think they're going to do 10, is it 10 or 13? I thought uh, it was Maybe 13, it's 13 because yeah. that's what most of Hulu stuff, stuff is. A 13 episode arc. It takes place in Castle Rock, Maine, which is a fictional Maine town. I thought it was real because I don't know anything about Maine. <laughs> where Stephen King has set several of his stories, including Cujo. Also located at Castle Rock is mm-hmm. Shawshank Prison, where the Shawshank Redemption takes place. Um, or uh, was it Rita Hayworth? Rita Hayworth, no, it's and, or the Shock of Shawshank Redemption. I think it's again the Shawshank Redemption and the Green Mile mixed up. No, no, no. Rita okay. Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. Right. I think is the name of the, sto- the story. The story has her name in the title. We are brought in when a mysterious person is found in Shawshank, and a mysterious former resident of Castle Rock is brought back to deal with that. And that's who we're following. Um, it's so hard not to give anything away. In this I program. don't want to... Yeah, I know. That's the thing. I don't want to... say. First of all, we don't know who some of these characters really are mm-hmm. as of four episodes in. Mm-hmm. And certainly we don't want to conjecture because right. we're four episodes in. And also, no spoilers, y'all, for this. But it's got 
people from Stephen King's movie work mm-hmm. r- playing roles that they did not play in the mo- in their previous movie work. Mm-hmm. So we've got Bill Skarsgård, who currently plays Pennywise in the new It. Is it a by? It's not a trilogy. What's a a billogy? I don't know. Tucson? That's gross. Yeah. But not playing that character. We've got Sissy Spacek, who played Carrie, not playing that character. And we've got, what's her name? Melanie Linsky. Melanie Linsky, who was in Rose Red uh-huh. as a character that she did not play in Rose Red. And we're not following necessarily characters from the previous works, although Scott Glenn is in it, and he does play someone who is a major character in at least two of those oh, books. And, uh, Jane Levy, who I really like. Oh, Jane Levy, yeah. Levy, I'm sorry. I think it's Levy. Yeah, I like her too. So we're watching that, mm-hmm. and we're watching it when it drops, which is excruciating. Really it's really difficult. It, it really is. Because then you, well, what happened to that guy? Why is he buried underneath the prison? Well, we won't find out until next week. Oh, yeah, no, it, it sucks that really, we can't watch more episodes than we one. We usually stockpile episodes, back well, them up right. so you can see them one one. And Hulu kind of leads you to want to do that because the, the way that they drop their episodes is here's mm-hmm. the first three. We'll be back right. in a week. Here's one more. Yes. <laughs> we'll be back in a week. And it's like, but come back. Give them a taste. I know you finished them. Give me. <laughs> so we are watching that. I am enjoying it very much. I could go a lot mm-hmm. on about it, but I am not going to do that. No, you here. don't, because that will ruin it. Yeah, I also love Stephen King. So you know, the funny thing is, I I, I went through my list, the list of his books, uh-huh. novels only. Uh-huh. I didn't look at. The, I've read all of his short story collections, but I don't retain them very well. I've only not read like six of his books. I have read well comparatively nothing. When my son's, uh, yeah, he uh, Lemuel reads a lot, but he doesn't read a lot of people who were born right. in his lifetime. And no, Stephen King is older than you, but well, but I did. Uh, my, my my now ex-wife, when we were preparing the baby room, uh, she read to me. Let's see, Salem's Lot, The Mist, and there was one more. And the I, Langoliers? No, no, no. Oh, okay, mm, I can't remember what it was, although I really enjoyed it. And then on my own, I read some of the stuff out of Graveyard Shift and some of his criticism. And I actually wind up liking it. I've never read, read Dance Macabre, which uh, I want to read. Yeah, and I really enjoyed it. It was very different because... And I, I want you to read his memoir. Right. Because it's also a book on writing. Right. That's what it's called. No, I, I read on writing. <laughs> oh, you have? Which is really okay. good. It is great, yeah. Um, and I just, I, I appreciate what he's doing. It's just that there's so much to read. And so sometimes I feel like there. You, I, I, I retract what I said earlier. You don't read people who are alive now. Probably. <laughs> like yeah. if they're like if Stephen King kicks it, he might mm. get on your reading list. It's like well now I can now now I can do it. But um, yeah no I really I, so I've learned how to appreciate him peripherally having not read him. And you've read you've seen movies. I've seen lots of which. Movies. Very, I I don't think there. Well, I don't know that mm. there's another person whose work has been adapted more. Mm. Mark Miller might be there at the end of next year, but um, that w- that varies so widely in quality. Yeah. Okay, I'll tell you something. That when I was working at uh, Walden Pond, there was a couple having an argument about writing, and they just I don't know what they were doing. But they were teasing me about how literary I was working the counter late at night. And so the couple comes in and one of them asks me what I think of Stephen King. 
Oh, nice. And my thing was... <laughs> that you, my, right. my thoughts about you are that you're probably an asshole. Right. Fuck you. So then what I did was actually really start a whole new conversation by saying I think he's Charles Dickens Yeah. for this generation of people. Dickens was not popular in his time. Wait. Well, no, he wasn't popular in his time. He was popular, he but was not popular with He was popular in his time, but not with critics. People. Yeah. Okay. But, every, but he was a fucking he was bestseller. A, right. Yep. And so the thing is, his body of work... And he wrote yeah. sweeping epics right. with thousands of characters <laughs> who you all feel something. You feel right. something for all of them. And like, so there's a that's really, a very a, astute... As a parallel. And ghosts. <laughs> right. As a parallel. Yeah, because Stephen King did write some great spooky stories. Um, the, the, yeah, Oof, some of them, like the, called the Signalman is still a story that can give you nightmares. The one where the finger comes up out of the <laughs> sink? Who, woof, <laughs> that is rough. And if you actually read The Christmas Carol, there are some really creepy passages mm-hmm. to it. I, people have these fond memories of it. No, there are very yeah. strange things that happen in the course of that story. But I thought that was a parallel between the two of them, that these popular authors who are not popular with critics. Right. And Which, I mean... Reputation uh, increases as time goes on. Yes, and Stephen King has, mm-hmm. um, he's won awards, specifically yeah. for his short stories. Well, yes, and I remember he won Which an award is, that yeah. had to be shared with another person. Yeah, that's right. Because uh, he won a literary award, but he had to share it with somebody else who people felt was, who the judges felt was of more literary merit. Ugh, that's and then gross. he wound up giving a, an amazing speech where he said, you know what, this publishing house is afloat, the one he worked for at the time. Because of my work, Scripner so that probably. you can publish yeah. biographies right. and things that are, you know... Yeah, how about you not, not shit on your, your fucking moneymaker? Right. It's like you're here because... And especially me. because I'm a fucking good dude, right. and the stuff that I'm writing doesn't hurt people. Yeah. So if your other big moneymaker is like Ann Coulter, mm. like, which I don't think he would no. be on board for. He is um, lefty, although he's mm. been a little problematic of late. Uh well, people are entitled to have opinions. I mean, it's not no, like he just he did a hug your neighbor thing, mm-hmm. which it's very safe for him to hug a neighbor because he's right. a you know rich white man. It's not Always so that doesn't it's not so him from trouble either. Like it's yeah. not so easy for yeah. a, a transgender person of color to hug the neighbor. Well, that, if I hug my neighbor, that's a that's a Trump v- exactly that's a Trump voter. So. You know he's he he's speaking from privilege, which I think he would acknowledge. Oh I don't no, think he's he's actually very aware, very. Yeah. He's hip and happening, mm, man. He's got a radio station. He's the best. Yeah, so <laughs> I I really thought that that's a, a that was a, a parallel that I could. Yeah, I no, really that's saw. a that's a very astute parallel. Because it's just someday, and again, someday, what he wrote is going to be our literary canon. It's true. People like, will read at least right. one of his books in school. Going right. Like, his stuff is not going to go away yeah. when he goes away. And you think about um, the authors. I remember the guy who wrote The Ruins. What was his name? Scott, Scott Smith. Smith. He wrote Scott uh, Smith. A Simple Plan. Oh, okay. And so one of the better moments in my life where I behaved myself was uh, I was working at uh, Wal- uh, Holmes. No, excuse me, at um, Cody's. Cody's. And his agent came up to me and said, do you have the latest book, which was The Ruins? That he oh, wrote. okay, yeah. And uh, That's a good movie. Yeah, so she's saying he just, he'd written a simple plan, and that was widely regarded as a masterpiece, both as a piece of literature and as a great film. And so people were waiting for what he came up with next, and what he wrote was a horror story, a horror novel. Oh, he went genre. It's yeah. schlock and, and bullshit. S- exactly, so that was the criticism. Fuck you! And his uh, agent came up to me and said, well... 
where are the books? And he's going to come up and sign them. And, and she was like really sad because she's like, I can't cheer him up. He's getting so pummeled in these reviews. And uh, he, uh, he came up to me and he's signing the books. And I said, well, it was really good to meet you. So I tried to, you know, like, oh, it's really good. Oh, my I God, I really admired your stuff. I'm looking forward to this book. And Even though me, there's no way you're reading it because that man is alive mm-hmm. in front of you. Well, and so he wound up like, well, the critics don't like it. And I said, well, they, I said, why? And he said, well, because they, they said it was popular literature. And it wasn't, you know, they were expecting something more from me. And I said, so it's popular literature like Last of the Mohicans or The right. Three Musketeers right. or The Count of Monte Cristo or The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, which were all genre literature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then are now... Classics. Anything by Poe. Right. Anything by um, Wells. Right. All these, Ugh. you know, War of the Worlds, people didn't know what to make of that when it was published. And it's like the, m- the more that I said that, it really encouraged them. It's right. looking at me like, oh my God, you're right. It's like, yes, right. I'm right. Yeah. You know, no one saw James Fenimore Cooper or Jack London. He wrote a story about because dogs. Because the shit that critics like, <laughs> right. four people read. Yeah. But, and then know, it's gone. So... Our, Not all the stuff that right. critics like. Our We're great, being broad. To, but right. to say that something is popular and therefore mm. it has no merit is patent bullshit. But, and hopefully we're switching right. with The Shape of Water, which is a genre fucking right. film, won Best Picture last year. Well, in this case, it's like he was really encouraged by the end of the conversation and his agent comes up and thanks me like she's shaking my hand. Yeah. But the idea was... The stuff that I read, if you're reading Arthur Conan Doyle, this was genre literature right. that was written for magazines. For and if you reading. can name four of his mm-hmm. contemporaries that you'd read right now, go mm-hmm. ahead, because you yeah. can't. <laughs> so it becomes a classic because people make it a classic. Critics don't make it a classic. Right. No, Remember that Edgar Allan Poe almost stopped writing because he entered a literary contest and somebody wrote like some sort of very sappy sentimental romance that won the contest and Edgar Allan Poe didn't. You know, so. I bet Shakespeare's critics were like, oh God, yeah. this motherfucker makes up words. Right. He's telling everybody else's stories. Mm-hmm. It's hokey. It's bullshit. Right. The audience decides who survives. Yeah. The audience decides who makes literature. Yeah. And so I feel the same way about King. The audience decides. Yeah. And, and they've decided now, that they're on board. Right. Yeah. A hundred years from now, who's going to be read and who's not going to be read? King so, and Coots. Right. Those motherfuckers. Just because there's so many, just there's just so many books. Like, like if only 10% of our books survive from this period right now, mm-hmm. it's going to be Stephen King. It's going to be Alexander McCall Smith. Mm-hmm. It's going to be Nora Roberts slash mm-hmm. J.D. Robb. It's going to be Joyce Carol Oates because that bitch cannot stop Rowling. publishing. It's going to be J.K. Rowling. Yeah. And that's for a different reason, because all of those other authors mm-hmm. have multiple titles. Yeah. J.K. just has multiple here's, copies of, here's of J.K. a Rowling's title. secret? She found the story of Jesus so compelling, she rewrote it. Rewrote it, yep. Martin Scorsese for could children. do it. No. <laughs> so, there's where J.K. Rowling succeeded, where Martin Scorsese failed. Failed, yeah. So, yeah. All right. Are we going to come to an end? Yes. My end is... In um, summation, summation, we love Jesus, Mm -hmm. we love Stephen King, we hate this movie. (laughs) So I would say Song of Bernadette. Yes. Barabbas. There are a lot of good religious movies that aren't even pro-religious. Both of of those movies are not so pro-religion that they don't criticize religion itself. But, yeah, if you want to see a movie that's actually Hey, that's what you should have said when I said, do you have something to recommend? Dead Man Walking. (laughs) 
Oh, I can't recommend that one. I know, but I could recommend it from this point of view. It's like if you want to see a movie about not Religion. Jesus, the effect of Jesus on people. Right, right, right. Real Christianity. That's a great movie. Real Christianity. And it's not made for religious people. It's just made for, this is the example of what we should... <laughs> It's made for Academy Awards. (laughs) That movie was made for your consideration. (laughs) Okay, I think that brings us to the end. If you stayed with us, we thank you very much. We tried to keep it not angry, and hopefully we were not angry. Um, If you want to reach out to us and tell us, oh, you know what? I want to do this real quick. Uh Next week's episode. Right. We were supposed to watch Tucker, A Man in His Dream, or The Man and His Dream. Mm-hmm. I can't fucking find that movie. Which is a pity. I want to see it because it helped build our house. So, are we going to do what you had suggested? Yes, and, we are. Uh, are we, we going to do that next to. week or are we going to do that at the end we of the month? We can do that next week if that will help. Do you have a thing and have yes, you found I it? I do. and I am. Is it in a format that we can watch? It's a format that's accessible. I just want to be able to have my hands on it before... Okay, so what are we watching? We are going to watch an episode, because we wanted to get cultural significance. The idea was, uh, since, oh, this is because August has five Thursdays, Mm -hmm. so you get five episodes this week, or this this month, and in those five episodes, we were going to do two 1988s, but now, since I can't find the other 1988s, where we would be doing second 1988, Lemuel has introduced the idea of us watching um, a piece of television media that sort of changed the cultural landscape uh, of whatever it was. So what are we watching? Uh, we are going to watch an episode of All in the Family. Okay. E- Edith's 50th birthday, I believe, is the name of the episode. Okay, yes. Edith's 50th birthday is the name of the episode. It is... Season 8, Episode 3, and it mm-hmm. aired October 16th, 1977. Right. So if you guys want to watch with us, that's what I was trying to right. do. Right, I'm trying to... So um, we're, that's mm-hmm. all we're going to say yeah. for now. So next week's episode is going to be Edith's 50th birthday, uh, Season 8, Episode 3 of All in the Family, mm-hmm. original airing October 16th, 1977, and we will discuss it. There's a content warning for this, or a trigger warning, I'm going to say, mm. uh, for sexual assault. So if that's right. not something that you want to uh, interact with, then don't watch along with us. Um, and I'll give the same content warning at the beginning of our episode next week. Okay. Um, and in the um, write-up as well. So, um, if you want to maybe suggest the next uh, filler episode of magic TV that changed the world. You can reach out and tell us yes. about it on latecomerspod at gmail.com or at latecomerspod on Twitter uh, or our Facebook page or group. That's always an easy place to find me. I'm on Facebook all of the hours of the day. All of them. And uh, we want to thank Ben Sound for our latest theme song. I don't know if I love it, but I like it. <laughs> And we want to thank you. Um, If you would subscribe via your podcast app of choice, uh, that would be amazing. I'd like to see our, every week, our little number of downloads go up. Just climb a little hill. I love it. And keep it going. Uh, And tell your friends about us if you think they would like us. They will like us. They'll love us. At least they'll love me. They will love you. Oh, I'm a 
definitely cut that. Just call yourself king of the Jews now. No, that would be (laughs) wrong on so many levels. Much more wrong for Willem Dafoe. Um, No, he at least was a man, so... Mm. What do you think that's debatable? (laughs) I don't like where this is going. Thank you so much for listening. We love you very much. And remember, better Better late late than than never. Go Jesus. Go Jesus. I love Jesus. He loves me. Oh yeah, probably. Uh.